The candidates for governor agree to debate what they're saying when they're on their own. Shelly Yoder and Trey Hollingsworth face off. Outside help for the Senate candidates and a lesson plan from Jennifer McCormick. That plus Tamika Catchings and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending September Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, John Gregg teamed up with State School Superintendent Glenda Ritz to make a pitch for more career and technical education in Indiana schools. They toured the J. Everett Light Career Center, where high school students from 12 school corporations can learn anything from computer repair to EMT training. The Democrat in the race for governor says there is a need for more programs like this one, and Gregg has criticized Republican Eric Holcomb for failing to produce an education proposal. Ritz said that she still has hasn't met with Holcomb since he became lieutenant governor. It's all about workforce development. It's all about workforce readiness, how we can better align our K-12 education systems with, um, with the business community. That we can align uh, curriculum with what it is that we know the employers need to see. Rather than working against the superintendent of public instruction, I'm going to work with her. How important are the policy differences in the race for governor? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Michael Bryant, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Schellow. Michael Bryant, when will we see an education proposal from Eric Holcomb? Uh, it's going to be Education Week and the governor's campaign. The first uh, debate is on Tuesday morning, um, and it's going to be focused on education issues at, at Lawrence Central in front of the students there. But first of all, I want to welcome John Gregg to the uh, Mike Pence uh, policy, uh, policy game. Uh, uh, technical career readiness was a top priority for the governor um, in the 2012 campaign. Since then, uh, DWD has been uh, completely turned around from an unemployment agency to an employment agency. We do have to do more there, but they're putting programs in place to make sure that when you're unemployed, uh, you go into the system and you're ready for a job on the back end and um, in the marketplace. So education debate Tuesday, will we see a Holcomb proposal prior to that? You will. On Monday, I'm anticipating. You will, yeah. Check your right. Keep an eye on your email. Yeah, all right. You guys are so excited. Actually, I know it. Probably, and Democrats are so excited. A, you can probably get a text because based on his economic development bullet points, a grand total of 427 words for his big rollout of economic development compared to 18,000 for John Gregg. Obamacare, you know, what's, Obamacare what's was like 3 million this, words. What's what amazing, are we, are we words, excuse words me, Michael. What's amazing <laughs> about this is that I'm glad that you actually can see what can happen when a governor and the superintendent work together. Under Glenda Ritz's um, auspices, 200,000 students have enrolled in that certified technical education program and with a 95% graduation rate. They're really working on this as opposed to battling each other, which is all Mike Pence and Eric Holcomb want to do. Well, tell me, John, uh, 
How much does the public care about written policy proposals? Well, I wish it cared more than it does, uh, but I do think it's important to have that basis there. I mean, if it wasn't important to have these policy positions in place to have at least thought them through and, and present them to the public, then we wouldn't have platforms, we wouldn't have the uh, underpinnings for a political philosophy. So it is important. But the truth is, Jim, uh, the public is, is going to probably look at the bullet points uh, of the Holcomb plan. They won't read all 18,000 words of the, uh, the Gregg plan. Uh, it's just important to them that they know that they exist. And even you, if they're not, even if he doesn't even propose well, to pay for them? If it, they've agreed to, to three debates. If you're going to get together and debate, you've got to have something to discuss, right? And, and well, one would presume, yeah, that you have some thoughts or at least respond to questions, even if you don't have your own policies. But, you know, I think, do think this is like homework assignments to middle schoolers. You know, teachers don't really grade them, per se, or read them. They just, little Johnny, little Sally did it, and you get your mark. Because if you don't have it, that's when you run into trouble, and then you have a campaign like we're in. I forget even it was Lindley Pearson, but you, you were waiting Where's some the plan. Some plan. So for 100 <laughs> days or whatever, she's out there with a banner in front of the state house saying where's the plan day one day two that's where you get into trouble when you don't don't have the ability to put a check mark in that box it's that worth noting write. that the entire Holcomb campaign will not be quite a hundred days so it is worth noting that this is a pretty historic year he's been in the race well, for 45 days and right. yeah, but and you know, 45 days ago and, and he, he agrees it's important which is why he, la he laid out an economic development plan this this week and he'll lay out three more over the coming weeks before early voting begins. all right and for those who don't know you are the campaign manager for Eric Holcomb that's it, right. it, it's more important to get fundraising and organization in place before you worry about policy right no we worry <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the problem we had was well, it's a it's, it's historically tight campaign. You had to worry about everything at the same time. You yeah. couldn't do it in order like you do in a normal 18-month effort. John Gregg's been running for six years, think, so it's easy to come out. You would think, though, out. when he was preparing himself to be uh, interviewed by the uh, Star Editorial Board and asked why he should be governor, it would take him uh, a little less than 30 seconds to come up with a credible answer. You should point out, though, when we're talking about vocational education, it's not as if the state is operating in a vacuum. You look at the Indiana Career Councils, which were established back in, what, 2013, 2014, they've been operating. You have Teresa Lubbers and the, the uh, Higher Education Commission, which is looking at it from a different perspective in terms of college readiness and, and workforce development. Again, there's an infrastructure in place, uh, so it's not as if people are just sitting there doing nothing, waiting for, for the uh, yeah, tablets to come down. It's important, down. though. It's also important to understand that you, you, not everyone should go to college. And what, what's good about this proposal that they're putting forward is that you're going to help students realize as, as early as eighth grade that there are other options they can train for that can give them a living wage and a successful you career. You at least attempt things, Mike. Uh, the one gap in this career readiness uh, is K through 12, and Glenda Ritz has had four years to do it. She didn't really pay much uh, interest in it until she was in front of a oh, camera. Oh, oh yeah. Moving on, moving the four on. four years when he tried to kick her out of the office. Eric right? Holcomb did unveil an economic plan this week. His proposal borrows heavily from current Governor Mike Pence's plans, and the Democrats are calling it more of the same. The lieutenant governor toured developer town in Broad Ripple, a venture development firm, before spelling out the plan that calls for big investments in infrastructure with no specific plans for paying the bill. It also calls for an honestly balanced state budget and preservation of the more than $2 billion surplus. Other policy proposals will follow. Uh, but if we don't get the economy right, if we don't keep the economy dialed in right, it's going to make everything else that we want to do, important things that are, be want, that are wanting to be done, will make those that much more difficult. Uh, we're thoroughly disgusted on what's been happening here in the state of Indiana from the governor's office. I don't know who in the hell's running it now because you got 
Pence. He's all over the country. And as Chuck Jones, a representative for carrier workers whose jobs are headed to Mexico, he joined Democrats to criticize Holcomb and Delaney. In that plan, Holcomb displays an ability to think big, doesn't he? No, he doesn't, because when you, when you have an ability to think big, you also have a way to pay for it, which is something that's noticeably lacking from his 427-word economic development proposal. And the, the thing about it is, it's really just Mike Pence all over again. I mean, he's talking about infrastructure. We've got bridges collapsing. We've got roads that Mike Pence can't finish and can't even pay for now because of his public-private partnership nonsense. We have a historically low interest rate, and we have a $2 billion surplus, and we know how to do roads. And instead of just doing them, they complicate this, and they have caused endless trouble for people trying to go from here to Bloomington and back. Well, when, when Eric Holcomb was asked how he would pay for some of his plans, which I include a, a fourth port on the Ohio, a new bridge uh, to Kentucky from Evansville, and double-tracking the South Shore Railroad, uh, he said that, that likely some of this will require public-private partnerships. Oh, yeah. Of course it will. It works so well. well. Of course. Well, it has worked. It's been proven to work. We're building, we're building bridges over example. the Ohio River right now as a result a of it. First of all, as, as far as the attack that we're continue, uh, continuing Mike Pence policies, I'll continue policies all day long, and I think most Hoosiers will support continuing policies that have led to record low unemployment and increased wages, despite what John Gregg likes to go out and say on the, on the campaign trail. Yeah. Um, as far as the infrastructure plan, we're halfway through it. The legislature um, approved hundreds of millions of dollars in investment for state and local projects in the last legislative session. Uh, there's a committee looking at how do we prioritize, the, how do we build out the pipeline of projects that we need to build and decide what those are. And then, let, then in the 2017 session, we're going to figure out how to pay for it for a long time. John Gregg's plan is to take out a $3 billion loan on day one. That's it. And that's a third of what you need over the next 10 years. Yeah. Well, it, it, Holcomb said that his his time frame for these proposals was ten years. Um, yeah, because the buck will be gone by the time he's gone. Well, I, I, does that sell with the he's public? I mean, you you do have to have a, a larger vision sometimes, don't you? Uh, I guess in in, the, in an academic setting, yes. But we live in a in a world of instant gratification, and it seems to me that one of the challenges that face lawmakers in in the state house here and 49 other states across the country is the insistence that there be immediate solutions to just about everything. So when you start talking about five years or 10 years, I think voters start to say, mm, I, I doesn't not real appealing. What I thought is, I mean, granted, funding is the key here, but how often have we had two major party candidates who both say that infrastructure projects, and the same ones, I should point out, you know, roads, the, the fourth port, as you mentioned, Finishing along the Ohio, you got the, uh, a, new, a new line up in mm -hmm. the, uh, the region, a new rail line. I mean, there's kind of agreement on, on what projects to do. Now, again, Not funding is... Not how to do them. Right, right. But, I mean, that's more than we've the had in the past where you actually have an agreement about... Yeah, but there's only one candidate who's actually got a track record of getting these things done. I mean, John Gregg who? drew a line who? on... Who? Who? John Gregg drew a line what? on... Holcomb's been in the office six weeks. What's his track record? John Gregg talked about I-69. He's from that part of the state. Oh he talked about it for 20 years. He drew a line on that. Let's let's give John Ketzenberger a chance here. This economic development proposal, will it win votes? I don't think it'll hurt. Uh, I think that it is an extension uh, in many ways of what we've seen in the Pence administration, uh, and that's not surprising uh, because of the time constraints that we've seen. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see whether voters, uh, how they vote on that, um, and whether that'll be a, a, you know, a decisive factor for them. So to your question, uh, 
I think it, it's, again, an important plank. Um, as John noted, there is wide agreement on the fact that this needs to be done, but you've got to get this through the legislature, too. Uh, and that's an important aspect of all of this. And, you know, former speaker and a former party head, um, they're going to have to convince the legislature, one of them, uh, whether they can get this done. And that's going to be an important consideration, too. I think too. That there's a real realization, uh, even among legislators, that infrastructure has been ignored under the Republican watch, and we need to do something now. And when you talk about what's interesting about this whole thing is that it is a Pence light, is what it is, the whole proposal. But the irony of that is when you, you folks, see... But, when but you the, see the, Democrats just, the Democrats just love to drag Mike Pence into well, anything they can. Well, right? you know who doesn't drag Mike Pence into this? You have an Eric Holcomb ad, and as far as you're concerned, the, even though he was handpicked by Mike Pence, he appears nowhere in it. It's all Mitch Daniels. Yeah, we get the which shows you that he doesn't want to be associated with Mike Pence either. Let's move on. <laughs> Candidates in the 9th Congressional District race met in a debate this week. The Greater Greenwood Chamber of Commerce hosted uh, a, a major sticking point between Democrat Shelley Yoder and Republican Trey Hollingsworth was the construction of I-69, the highway that runs straight through the 9th District. Earlier this month, the mayor of Bloomington said the project is behind schedule and that contractors aren't being paid. I have made infrastructure investment the core of this campaign, because as a member of Congress, we have to not only address safety of our roads and bridges, but also being able to move commerce up and down. Over and over and over again, what we hear is about is a lack of accountability. That's unacceptable in the private sector, and we should hold Washington and the public sector to the same standard. John Ketzenberger, Shelley Yoder TV ads hit the air this week. Can she make this a race? I think she is making this a race. Uh, there's clearly uh, money behind this. Uh, I think she gained a lot of experience the last time uh, she ran in this district. And I think that Trey Hollingsworth has to overcome uh, what occurred in the primary, and that was his opponents in the primary uh, calling him a carpetbagger. And I think that will continue, and we'll see whether that's got credibility. But I think this is going to be a real neck-and-neck -neck race. She's pressing him real hard to release his tax returns, and she believes that if he does, we'll find out that he's never paid taxes in I Indiana. Uh, he says he's worried about the voters' tax returns rather than his own. <laughs> does he have to release his tax returns? I would think so. It almost reminds me, uh, uh, and I know there's a debate, thanks to Donald Trump and others, about whether voters do want to see them. But uh, let's go back to the uh, metaphor I said, uh, the, the analogy of middle school homework assignments. You gotta, you gotta, that's a box you need to check. And I think uh, if, if you are a, a would-be elected official and you are seeking the support of voters, you owe that to them, uh, whether it's to see where you've derived your income, what conflicts uh, might be out there lurking. It's, it's to the people uh, who are electing you and for whom you are working that can make the yeah. decision about whether it's germane or not. It was Republicans in the primary who first called him a carpetbagger. Does he have party support, and, and does he need it? Because he's self-financing. Yeah, that's right. But self-financing, that's not the whole ticket to win, right? I mean, the party is behind him. They're on the ground working for him. It, it is gonna, there is no doubt this is going to be a tight race, and, and he's, and he's going to need to put together an organization that, yeah, it's great that there's, there's money in, uh, on the table, but uh, he's going to have to have a pretty comprehensive campaign to get it done, and I think he will.
does he need to release his taxes? I don't think he does. I don't think I think that should be a candidate by candidate decision. You think it's important if it factors into your race and, and you believe it's important for voters to know, then you share it if you don't. So, so the most recent thing that Shelley Yoder's hitting him on is the fact that, that he says he understands his campaign manager said he understands middle class uh, workers because he employs them. Well, that's kind of like uh, Todd Young saying that the the chamber uh, endorsement was from the workers. It you know it, it doesn't connect. It doesn't connect at all. And and I think why he's not releasing the tax returns, he probably declared himself a Tennessee resident, which feeds into the carpetbagger uh, uh, whole issue. Never mind never paying Indiana tax. There isn't an income tax in Tennessee. And since Daddy's buying him or attempting to buying him the seat, I think a minuscule portion of his campaign contributions comes from individual. It's all from Daddy and Daddy's pack. I do think the notion that he is somehow, uh, as Shelley Yoder is suggesting, that he's out of touch with the average worker or the average family in the district actually has more potential traction than the notion that he's out of touch with Hoosiers, geographically speaking, because, uh, mm-hmm. again, that's an area that still has not recovered fully from the recession, never will, uh, to a large extent, perhaps. And, and so that, I think, has some potency. Moving on. The Senate candidates are getting outside help. In fact, according to numbers compiled by the Democrats this week, close to $21 million has already been spent on TV ads in this race, most of it by outside groups. A majority of those outside groups are supporting Republican Todd Young. And so Evan Bayh got some help from the Democratic state chairman. John Zodi called reporters to his office to echo the message in a recent Evan Bayh campaign commercial. The theme is that Todd Young would harm Hoosier seniors by, among other things, seeking to eliminate Medicare. Here is Cheryl Louts, followed by Zodi. So we've paid in for it, and we were promised that it would be there for us when we retire. This is the same man who voted in favor of privatizing Social Security, risking his retirement savings on Wall Street, and saying he was philosophically opposed to programs that help displaced workers after jobs are shipped overseas. We're here today telling him that hurting seniors is not an option. Well, this is what Democrats do whenever they're in a close race, they try to scare seniors. The fact is Todd Young got an award just last month from AARP for being a champion of those 50 and up in Indiana. And that's Young campaign spokesman Jay Kenworthy, who says the Republican has never advocated cutting Medicare. John Schwannis, is this an indication that the Senate race is getting tight? Uh, I, I do think it is getting tighter. I mean, if you go back and look at when the uh, the buy camp announced that it was entering the race, there were polls, independent polls, that were showing 25, 26 percent uh, advantage. And I think now you'll see polls showing a tightening. Now, tightening is in the eye of the beholder, but there are those who will say uh, on the Republican side that it's now within 10 points. So still outside the margin of error, still a, uh, in some races that would be considered a comfortable advantage, but not because you've, yeah. you've gone from here to here. 20 points but, but what it yeah. does say, when you see money like this flowing in from the outside, that's, to me that's a better indication than any poll. Now, granted, it is, it, it is uh, based on the notion, perception of who is, if it's a horse race, because if this were a slam dunk either direction, there wouldn't be that, that impetus to, oh, to right. give. The fact right. that money is pouring in here tells yeah. me that it is tightening, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy Wait. because you have more money and more messaging. $21 million already. <laughs> That's well, a lot of money. You predicted 50, didn't you? I think it'll, I think it it'll exceed 50 yeah. easily uh, by the end of this race. I, I just think that uh, it's interesting that the Democrats who recruited by into this race, uh, you know, saw that he had a lot of money in the bank, um, didn't respond sooner 
after that money started coming in because it's not a new phenomenon. This has been going on for more than a month now, these ads coming from the, from the outside interests uh, into the buy race and attacking him. And so I think it's, it's not surprising that they finally responded. My question is why, didn't, why did they wait so long? Well, but yeah. the buy campaign is sending out fundraising notices that are, that are uh, somewhat alarming. I mean, they're, they're saying... That's what you, you know, always do with fundraising notices. You, know, you don't send out a notice saying, I'm ahead, I'm going to win. So contribute. Wor- they're worded exceptionally like in a panic no. way. Yeah. You do. That's exactly that what trouble. you do. I mean, I That's exactly what you do. And, and the irony of this is everybody expected that race to tighten. Nobody thought that given the Republican leaning in this state that it was going to be a 24-point advantage. He's going to win, okay? Yeah. And the money is going to come in now to set the record straight on the lying ads that Todd Young yeah. is, is putting on like that he's a lobbyist Wait, when he knows it's not true. Tell me that, well, John Zodi stood up and spoke for him this week. He did last week, too. Is, is Evan Byheiden from the media? He's been doing it boards and campaign events all over the state. Maybe he's just hiding from you, Jim. But he's doing three morning shows this weekend. So we, I don't think he's hiding from the media yeah, at all. It's, I think it's press. just you. I think it's just you. <laughs> yeah. Just you, Jim. Okay. Sorry. Um, do you like the way this race is trending? I do like the way this race is trending. Evan's by, Evan Bayes' best day in this race was his first one when he came out with a, at yeah, 56%. There is not a single day I can look at unobjectively, mind you. But a single, single day you can look at where you said, I think Evan By won that day. I think he carried the message that day. He didn't get beat up. He didn't slip a point. I mean, there, it's, he's had a rough road here. It's November 8th, it counts. The Republican candidate for state school superintendent outlined her agenda this week. Jennifer McCormick calls it Indiana's lessons plan. It calls for new spending on things that include preschool education and broadband development. But she didn't provide a specific price tag. McCormick is currently the superintendent at Yorktown and a first time candidate. She's trying to unseat Democrat Glenda Ritz, who has carried on some very public battles with GOP lawmakers and Governor Mike Pence. McCormick said that if elected, she will be obligated to work with the governor. I will never play the victim or the blame game. So for me to pass blame to anybody is irresponsible, because all that does is keep the whole momentum of the problem happening. We need to solve the problem. Regardless of who caused the problem, we know there's a problem. So what we need to do in a responsible, professional way is say, here's the problem, let's fix it. And Delaney, is this a referendum on Glenda Ritz? I think it's more a referendum, actually, on Mike Pence, on the attempt to take over the superintendent's office and interfere with her education policies. Um, I, you know, I think that that's good that she's making a, that this candidate on the Republican side is making an overture about working together with the Democrats. That's good. It's unfortunate that 90% of her money is coming from, from Tony Bennett backers and she chooses to announce well, this program that, at a not for profit, at an entity it, that Tony Bennett's Tony, on the board of. Well, Tony Bennett's been out of the public eye for four uh, years. He's here still that, influencing Republican uh, policy in this regard. Uh, so he's not, he's out of the public man, eye, but he's playbooks. behind the scenes. <laughs> right? well, Tony Bennett 90% hurt her of chances? the money is coming no, from Tony No one Bennett remembers people. that. There's no intensity around Tony Bennett in this race at all. That's, that's, well, that's, that's funny to even suggest. why do that's all the people suggest. who contributed to him contribute to her? Why do all the unions contribute to Glenda Ritz? They don't, so she continues the chaos and the, and oh, the, the lack chaos, of advancement in, in, at the Department of Education. But she's been talking about the I-STEP problem for years, and, yeah. and your guys really? came into it last year. We've been taking the I-STEP here for 25 years. It wasn't until she took over that the oh, vendor, oh, there's security issues. Oh, that's not true. That was Tony. Bennett's initiative. Uh, it, yeah, it's a, I guess it's a race. It's an important s- seat. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, I think the incumbent's probably in, in a better position right now. But the inference I drew from this is that the, the suggestion and I, that I found interesting is it's incumbent on 
the state superintendent of public instruction to basically fall in line with the governor. Now, again, she didn't say that, but again, that was a bit of a takeaway. Whereas you could turn that argument on its head. Which one is the top education. official related to education? Yeah. You could argue potentially okay. uh, that it's the, it should be the other way around. The governor should fall in line, which I know is They're talking about relationships rather than politics or policy. I think that the Republicans uh, almost eight years ago now re regret the fact that they did not, when they had the opportunity, get a bill passed that made this an appointed position yeah. rather than an elected position. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. Last week's question, do former students at ITT deserve government help? 67% said yes, 17% said no, 16% said only the veterans. This week's question, what do you think of the decision by players on the Indiana Fever to kneel during the national anthem? Your choices are A, it's their right, B, it's disrespectful, or C, they should stick to basketball. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. The Indiana Fever lost a WNBA playoff elimination game this week, but not before the players on the team staged that protest against police violence by taking a knee during the national anthem. It followed the final regular season game where the Fever and star Tamika Catchings, uh, she was honored for a stellar career. Drafted in 2001, Catching will go down as the all-time leading scorer for the franchise. She explained her emotions this way. Absolutely amazing. Um, starting from the beginning and walking in and all these signs lined up on the wall to the game itself and you know just being out there with my teammates and uh, of course post-game, I mean, whoo, you know, not trying not to shed tears, but just an emotional day. Michael Bryan, what's more memorable, the protest or the ceremony honoring Tamika? Well, I think over the long term, the ceremony, uh, honoring a great career um, and a great contribution to the Indiana Fever. What do you think? I think she's made a tremendous contribution to the city. And, and you know, the protest, I stand during the national anthem, and I think people should. But, um, you know, we also have freedom of speech, as you all know, ingrained Gotta in our go. Constitution. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat and Delaney, Republican Mike O'Brien, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shello of Wish TV. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.